One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to another exciting edition of Plank of the Week. And I can tell you, they come around very fast because there is so much plankery out there. There's been football, uh, there's been politics, there's been international issues, there's been all sorts of things going on. And I'm delighted to say uh, that today uh, we welcome back Mr. Russell Quirk for the first time, I think, Russell, since uh, you provided us with these uh, rather splendid Plank of the Week mugs. Indeed, glad to see you've so, actually got some left. Thank you. Yes, well, Chuck's been trying to sell them all off uh, out <laughs> the back end of the building. But luckily, we've managed to save three. Emma Webb is here as well. Thank you very much for joining us, as ever. I would like to also introduce the new plank of the week, which I'm happy to say has been supplied to us by a keen uh, viewer called Charles Head, uh, who sent me this and said it's a plank made out of real wood. He's got two sides to it. It's been varnished. He's even got it in the correct font for the show. Uh, and he says that uh, it could be placed on the interview desk as a trophy to be awarded to the plank of the week. And it's a vintage brass stand. I mean, he's really gone to it's, town, this guy. Charles, it's brilliant. It's and he says, impressive. please keep creating great content. We need you guys at Talk Radio. So thank you, uh, Charles, very much indeed. Very much appreciated. And it will have pride of place in front of me uh, for the rest of the show. So, Emma, why don't we kick off with your first plank of the week? It's a charity called Population Matters, oh, yes. who have given uh, an award to Harry and Meghan for their environmental decision great. to not have more than two children. Isn't that great? And they've <laughs> awarded them the equivalent in dollars of £500 really? to give to a charity. That won't go far in their house. But the reason why this is plankish mm. is because I'm not sure, given the fact that Meghan is 39, mm that their decision is an entirely environmental one. Well, I think you're probably right, because as we probably would have thought, they're not going to have any more children. But, you know, as people say, accidents do happen. She's also, by the way, now representing some uh, ionisation company. I don't know if you've ever heard of ionised water. I actually yes. bought a bottle of it the other day because they didn't have any other water. It was yeah. the only kind they had. It didn't taste any different to me from other water. I didn't feel particularly energised by it. What are they paying her for that? Well, what I, can't, I don't know how much they're paying her, but she had a, there was a tweet that went out by the company, some Californian company, and the cheapest ionising machine that they sell is three and a half grand. So I'm not buying one of those anytime soon, but I imagine that <laughs> 500 quid to her will literally be change in the, in the purse. <laughs> what, what is the charity going to do if she and Harry do have another child? I mean, that's going to be hilarious. Presumably they're going to have to go and take the award away. Back. Yeah. And, and do they now give everybody that's only got two children the same award? Well, so what about people who haven't had any children? Right? What do they get? A thousand? Well, why are they giving it to Harry and Meghan? It's just because right. they're Harry and Meghan, so what, they're two prominent people who have decided not to have... I'm one of those people who thinks that children happen to be a blessing yes. and that you shouldn't ever deprive yourself no. of blessings. I mean, we wouldn't want to get too personal about this, but I mean, what would happen if she did become pregnant again? I mean, she'd obviously have to take account of her age, but you wouldn't go, well, because we've got this award for having two, we'd better not have a third. Mm. You wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, it, it kind of smacks of uh, it being a bit China-esque, don't you? Mm. you know, well, also, they, they presumably the, the charity has got quite a lot of publicity out of it. I mean, mm. you know, luckily I've never heard of them, so I don't, but now they're being mentioned all yeah, over the place. Yeah, it's it has <laughs> We're talking about worked. them. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, it's mad, isn't it? Do they make a gracious acceptance speech? Because if, if so, I'm glad to say that I didn't see it. Yeah, well, did, well did quite. Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't seen it if there is one. <laughs> I, I like children so much. I had two children with my first wife and then had another two. Yeah. So I've got four. So I guess I don't get any money at all for that. You're terrible for the environment. I know, I'm really bad. I'm still trying. I'm trying my best to wreck the earth. I'm driving around a diesel Range Rover. I've got four children. I eat a lot of steak. Yeah. I mean, uh, heating on in the summer. Heating on in the summer, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. But the air conditioning actually yeah. is even worse. Fly around the world as much as we possibly That's can. That's unfortunately a bit difficult at the moment. Well, but we'll maybe we'll get that back soon. Well, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well, listen, I'm pleased that we've got a slight variation on Harry and Meghan. Because normally we carry them over uh, each week because normally we have to carry over one 
particular plank. So I guess that's their mention for the week. So I'll have to think about who we carry over. But give us your first one, Russell. So my first one is Boris Johnson again. The Prime Minister. The Prime Minister. Uh, Do you the... see his hair today, by the way? No, he I didn't. turned up in in Worse the Commons. Well, it's changed colour. Oh, you know, because really? it's gone from sort of what it used to be a kind of straw yellowy type blonde. Mm. Today it was almost white, which tells me that he's clearly colouring his hair. Or run out of hair dye. <laughs> Either that or been it's been, it's been a pretty years stressful years. year. Well, yeah, but I mean, it looks <laughs> completely white now. I mean, you know, it still looks, it's a weird cut. It's still looking Maybe scruffy. Maybe he's been on a secret holiday, bleached yeah, well, by the sun. Well, there was that weird story, wasn't there, that people thought he was in Portugal. And there was a story we were doing around <laughs> like last that week. That he'd gone on a secret holiday to Portugal. And it's one of those ridiculous internet rumours. It's like, well, I think if he was in Portugal, you'd probably find a picture of him somewhere. Yeah, but probably, nobody ever did. So, so my reason, so what's his is, reason, my reason is kind of yet again that uh, Boris, would you believe, goes back on things. He actually what? says things and then doesn't actually follow them through. You know, some people even say he lies. He fibs sometimes, believe it or not. So you recall, I've heard that. You recall not two weeks ago, <laughs> he said on television to the nation, and I think about 20 million people watched, that when we get to the delayed Freedom Day, July the 19th, of mm. course, because that is... Uh, one month past the original Freedom Day, that it would be irreversible, irrevocable, it would be mm -hmm. definite and definitive that all of the measures that have been in place for the last 14 or 15 months, particularly mask wearing, social distancing and so on, in the workplace and on public transport, would all be no more. They'd be eradicated completely. Um, and of course, what we've then seen over the last 24 hours is a procession of ministers running back furiously yes. on that, <laughs> saying, well, actually, let's talk about the mask thing for a right. second. Maybe they're not so bad. And, and this maybe, irreversible mm. word has been coming up again and again. Whatever and happens it been, to now or never. Yeah, it hasn't been being used well, much ministers much have been lately. challenged on that. Yeah. They've kind of, as always, obfuscated on that particular question. Um, so, so now we're back to, well, not only is mask wearing, social distancing and so on, uh, kind of de rigueur after the 19th, it's almost being spun as if it is absolutely expected although it will be guidance, um, we were talking about this on the way mm -hmm. in, you know, what happens on the 20th when you're not wearing a mask right. on the train or the tube and you've got every right legally not to well, do so. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It will be vilified. But I suppose mm. with regards to things like public transport, the, the, the TfL, as it would be in London, can presumably say to you, um, we're now putting in a new bylaw. Well, they, they could try and make it a condition of carriage. Yes. But which, I'm not sure that that has much legal standing, frankly. Um, and look, I certainly won't be wearing one. You mm. know, I've uh, I've complied, inverted commas, yeah. up till now, but I certainly won't be once uh, once the law changes. Yeah. Because our Prime Minister said Well, I mean, that's one of the few places I have worn it. But lately what I've been doing is only wear it on the train. Because you know how that used to be the case. And then they started going, mm -hmm. oh, you have to wear it as soon as you enter the station. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And lately I've also just been going into shops without wearing one because that was the only other place I wore mm -hmm. one. And nobody said anything, yeah. you know. And, and, of course, the, the other thing that was heralded two weeks ago was, um, you know, stop working from home. Get back to the office. You know, let's mm -hmm. get things going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all of a sudden that, of course, now has changed mm -hmm. also. So, you know, don't rush back. Yeah. So. You know, it, it's 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 not just confusing and disappointing. I mean, it's um, it's well, it's going to it's going to cause problems, I think, isn't it? Because there's the sort of the mask zealots. Mm -hmm. uh, who we all know are the sort of people that will start you, having a go at people. You can see the direction of travel yeah. that it's going in as mm. well because we, now that we're, sort of the statistic was something like 9 out of 10 people have antibodies either because they've mm. been vaccinated or because they're the young that they're trying to coerce into being vaccinated by threatening to take away our civil liberties. Um, the, the young have, uh, have had... I love that you can still describe yourself as young. Those <laughs> days have long gone for me. Yeah, she says we. I'm like, what? Thanks so much. The under 35s yeah. um, have antibodies because we've had the virus and and survived it. Yeah. So nine out of 10 people, regardless of vaccination, have antibodies. Um, and it's quite clear that the link between the between deaths and hospitalizations and cases going mm. up has it has been broken, has been broken, broken yeah. to weakened. Mm. Um, and so now you see that the direction of the conversation has, has moved on to long COVID. It's concerns about long COVID yeah. in young people and in children right. so that they can and justify that having is, further restrictions. Yeah, and all of that long COVID stuff is completely and utterly sort of unprovable, it seems to me. You know, they, they issue these statements like, well, a million people are suffering from long well, COVID. What, what well, counts, really? What, no counts, yeah, what no counts in what the definition of long yeah. COVID? Right. Is yeah. it fatigue? Is it having parosmia where your sense of yeah. smell is slightly distorted? And many people will say that they've never got Brain that back properly, yeah. right? 
right. And so therefore, presumably, they're part of that statistic. Someone was joking the other day on Twitter that um, that you don't get brain fog if you work in the private sector. <laughs> but, um, you would think yeah. that possibly the yes. people who are working in the public sector already had a little bit of brain fog. Yes, but it goes it, along it, with the bad backs it, that they all get it, working in the public sector where they can't work ask. for months on end. But is it too much to ask for our Prime Minister to show some leadership? I mean, mm. honestly, you know, I, I, I do well, wonder if, if there's a bit of kind of Margaret Thatcher's DNA hidden away somewhere that we can kind of use and revitalise. <laughs> you know what it is? Because <laughs> I was hearing this conversation yesterday after the after the, uh, the press conference that he gave, where he's clearly still in the grip of these bloody sage mm. uh, behavioural mm. scientists who yeah. say to, probably to him, well, if you look a bit too enthusiastic, people will get very carried away. Yeah. And I think a lot of people already are. I mean, all you've got to do is look at the football yeah. the other night um, and all the people that were jumping up and down in all sorts of different ways, some illegal. Yeah. Um, well, in, in but the, there's, no, there's no social distancing in lots of but, situations. But did there. you notice in the press conference that he made two mm. weeks ago when he said, we are now yeah. unlocking on the 19th, right. it will be Freedom Day, you could see that he had um, witty and valence on either shoulder mm. and when they were called to speak it was very much a different tone from those guys as yes. if they'd actually said to him before he walked in look you know we don't support this yeah. um, mm. and I think look, I actually thought for the first time in many many, many months fair play to Boris Johnson for being the kind yeah. of you know, oh he's to, definitely taken a step away from them There's well, no yeah, question one of the that. things but, that but came out, the, came out of the uh, Dominic Cummings uh, evidence mm. that he or, or lack thereof but that what when he was talking to um the uh, house the house of commons yeah. committee when he said that boris was actually quite hesitant to enter into another lockdown that he is aware of the economic consequences mm. mm. sajid javid has has been in in the same way at least recognises that you have to make a cost-benefit analysis yes. and that you have to make a risk assessment. And now, all things considered, they're making... And this is, this is I think, how they should have approached it from the very beginning, yes. is that you don't, you cannot rule a country by science. Mm. You don't lead by science. You have to consider the right. politics of it yeah, because you, have to, see, basis, you have to see mm. society and its health as a whole, right. not just through one myopic... Concern. No, you can't. Um, you can't take the view that because somebody can't do something, nobody else can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be a mad way to run the country. But, but it's it? clear as well that the likes of Witty and Valance and a lot of the scientists that are kind of pro heavy lockdown, um, and and a lot of those that are or trying to keep pushing us into that kind of zero COVID position. Mm by no coincidence whatsoever, are all paid by the public purse. Yeah. It mm -hmm. makes absolutely no difference and to them whatsoever. And also many of them, probably all of them, have not missed a day's pay. Mm -hmm. pay or a That's pension. All. Well, yeah, there was absolutely. a professor on one of the advisory boards, but, uh, scientific advisory boards, not SAGE, something else, who said that there were people who had a financial investment in the continuation of things like track and trace. Mm. There are obviously people who are invested in these things, that are vested interest in right. these things con continuing, whilst... You know, everybody well, else I mean, suffers and their businesses You might say the same thing down. about the people who want you to keep wearing a mask because the people that manufacture the masks must be making an absolute mm. fortune. I mean, how many masks did you sell 10 years ago? You know, one. How many did you sell yesterday? Three million. But you know, gonna, it's, it's not gonna, a bad business. But isn't it going to be amusing past July the 19th? You're actually going to be able to tell someone's political colours just by looking at them. From You the are. You're yeah. going to be so right. So you're on the left because yeah. mm -hmm. you're wearing a mask. Yeah. You're on the right because you're not wearing Which a mask. Which is and possibly why people will continue wearing them regardless of the social though? pressure to sort of virtue signal yeah. that you're one of the people who, take, who, who cares seen, about others. Yes, yeah. and that's their, that's their mantra, isn't it? The mm -hmm. reason I'm wearing a mask is to be uh, to kind to everybody else because I'm really worried about you. Yeah. We're not so worried about you that if you're not wearing a mask, I'm not going to insult you and probably try and punch you. You know, because they're not worried about you then. Yeah, and I'm not so worried about mm. your job and your livelihood no, and your business. No, mm. yeah. I mean it really is absolutely sickening, isn't it? Um, and the, the, the other thing which brings me on to my first nominee uh, is the hypocrisy of so many of these people, you know, because Patrick Valance was there yesterday at the press conference listening sagely and nodding along when Chris Whitty was talking about, you know, how he should wear a mask in certain situations and the previous week he was talking about all the situations where he would wear one, including if he was in the company of somebody who felt uncomfortable if he wasn't wearing a mask. And you kind of go... Well, that could be anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, what if I'm uncomfortable with you wearing one? Would you take it off? Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, it it's completely ways? bonkers, yeah. isn't it? So mm. Patrick Valance, right, is nodding along saying if you go into a crowded place, inside or outside, you should wear a mask. In fact, you should avoid a crowded place, mm -hmm. really. Next thing you see uh, is at Centre Court Wimbledon on, Friday, on Sunday for Men's Finals Day, sitting there around uh, lots of people, around by the, I can't remember if he's in the Royal Box or just next to it, sitting in what would be only described as theatre seating, mm -hmm. surrounded by people in a crowded place, not wearing a mask. No now, mask. I'm not saying he should wear a mask, because I think it would be ridiculous, mm -hmm. but you can't tell everybody else it's to do something. Sadiq Khan and then was not, another one of them. And Sadiq Khan was at Wembley. Mm -hmm. Keir Starmer was at Wembley. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, you could go through the whole list and of no planks masks. that are normally on here. Um, <laughs> and, and these are venues that are now at capacity, of yeah. course. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the people who defended it were saying, oh, yeah, but that's a test event. You know, that's OK, because everybody has been tested. Well, they haven't said... 
if you've been double vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. They've mm. said you still have to wear a mask. No and matter also, what. if everybody, if everybody in in Wimbledon or in Wembley mm. are double vaccinated yeah. or they've tested negative, yeah. why are they not at full capacity? Right. Mm. If well, they were if at full it's capacity. Totally safe. Well, that's the thing. This is the thing that I don't get. They were at full capacity at Wimbledon Centre yeah. Court. They sold all the tickets, but they didn't sell all the tickets at Wembley. Which is kind of bizarre, isn't it? They sold mm. 60,000, but you can't have another 20,000 or another 10,000 or another 30,000 mm. because somehow that would change everything. Mm. You're kind of going, there's no real logic to any of this. Yeah, but if you are also a, an avid mask advocate, people yeah. call them that, you know, despite your surroundings, surely you would be wanting to be seen wearing one, even if those around you were not. So, mm. yeah, the, the blatant hypocrisy. Well, the look, curious we thing about Wimbledon was we? that the people who were, like, filming, so, like, BBC cameramen were wearing masks, mm. People who I think were standing as security were wearing masks. Yeah. But it's like the G7 all but over again, But everybody who was it? sitting down, particularly those in the Royal Box, and Tom Cruise in particular, yeah. not, not wearing a mask of any kind, yeah. and presumably not being asked to wear one either. Well, it's, you know? the, it's, the, it's the sort of precedes the two-tier society of the vaccinated being, right. al being allowed their civil liberties. And also, is, if Wimbledon it was in fact a test event, which I didn't know it was, um, imagine my surprise, because, of course, it's a very nice posh event, which lots of people who have lots of money would like to go to. But, but the problem with this whole thing, I mean, the hypocrisy goes right back to, crikey, Stephen Kinnock. Do you remember? That was the first yes. kind of active hypocrisy yes. by a member of the kind of pro the, mm. the political Terry Act, if you like. Um, but we're no longer surprised. Went to see his oh, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a garden for his mm. birthday. But it was still breaking God the forbid. law. Just to remind <laughs> him of that time that he nearly won the election and then lost it right at the last <laughs> yeah. minute because he's that ridiculous Nuremberg-style rally. the procession, rally. the procession of <laughs> hypocrisy <laughs> from people in high places that are supposed to be leading yes. by example. Mm. I mean, I've literally, haven't you lost count of the amount There's of people? There's an awful lot of this is, I think this is why people were so angry about what Matt Hancock did. Yeah. Because everybody knows. Well, not that just his wife then. <laughs> Quite well. Everybody. Every. I think people. People were obviously not Gina. as angry as they should be about the adultery or yeah. the moral of, morals of the political right. class. Um, but I think people were so annoyed by it because everyone knows that everybody else is not really keeping the rules. Mm. Everyone knows that everyone is, is making their own risk assessment yes. and behaving accordingly. Yeah. But what you don't expect is to see the people who are in charge of forcing everybody else to do this, who are responsible for people being dragged through mm. courts or fined yeah. or whatever. And also calling for the them. Rules. Do you remember, I mean, one of the things that Hancock was criticised for was that he had actually, I think, called for Neil Ferguson to be investigated by the police mm -hmm. when he decided to get his leg over that uh, rather nice German model. Well, I mean, you say that rather nice German model, but I mean, it's somebody's personal opinion. <laughs> Obviously, I can't be saying that. But she was married to somebody else, you know. Um, he wanted him chased down the road by the cops. But, you know, it was all right for him yeah. to put his mm -hmm. hands on another woman's buttocks. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary. Yeah, typical. Yeah, anyway, so that's Patrick Valance, and I, I can assure you he will not be the last hypocrite that I nominate this week. So, Russell, <laughs> back to you for the second one. Um, so my second one is the parole board for England no, and Wales. Yes. And, and I have to say, look, this is not a funny one. I know we like no. to have fun on this uh, this show, uh, but this ain't funny at no. all. Uh, so this is in relation to Colin Pitchfork. Mm. Now, the news broke about two hours before we shot this, yeah. uh, that the parole board have decided that they will let this man out of prison in the next few days and weeks. Mm. Um, and this, look, without um, putting too fine a point on it, this is the man that in the 80s, kidnapped, raped and murdered two 15-year-old girls. Yeah. Three was, years apart as well. Yeah, was given 30 years by the judge. Mm. Um, Priti Patel and other ministers, of course, have said the right things rather than doing the right things, in my opinion, insofar as saying, uh, yes, we need to try and stop this man being mm. released. Uh, and the news broke this morning uh, that the parole board, and this is mystifying to me, the parole, the parole board have refused the appeal by the government. Yeah. Now, when I grew up and I learnt about politics back in the day and continue to, I thought the government made the rules. I thought the government made laws. I but this is one of those weird ones where they're not supposed to interfere in the judicial process, mm. right? Well, but, but there was a review about three years ago, yeah. a consultation, and, and it, I, I was trying to read it this morning. It's very complex because it talks about the difference between determinate and mm. indeterminate sentences and so on. Yeah. But effectively, even though the government could change the law by way of a statutory instrument, instrument tomorrow, mm. yeah. they wanted you to stop this monster mm. getting out of prison, um, he's going to be let out. And I, I suspect what we'll now see is Priti Patel tomorrow on the morning shows and so on, talking about how, you know, she tried vociferously to try and stop this man from being released. Well, it ain't good enough, mm. in my opinion. You know, people like this, despite the fact that he was given a 30-year sentence, uh, which at the time would have been seen to be pretty strong, maybe they mm. thought he'd die in prison. Well, the fact is, he's coming out. Mm. Um, and, you know, imagine a judge back in 1986, 87, making a decision based on when such an abhorrent individual should come out of prison. 
Well, that was then, you know, and, and maybe that was okay mm -hmm. in society back in the 80s. It certainly, in my book, isn't okay. It's a good, uh, it's a good nomination. Emma, your next Claudia one. Claudia Webb, MP. Yes. No relation. No relation. <laughs> Um, well, she's so, got an extra E on the end, isn't she, I think? Yeah, she? She, she has uh, done another number in a foreign affairs <laughs> committee meeting where she was um, talking to, was asking a question to Dominic Raab about um, Belarus, yes. or as she seemed to be pronouncing it, Beirut, Beirut, asking whether or not the government would take legal action yes. against Beirut. Beirut. And um, Dominic Raab then said to her, well, in, you know, what kind of legal act? She was trying to clarify what right. her question was. In the first out. instance, he didn't know what she was talking about because yeah. he couldn't understand what she was exactly mm. referring to. And then she said to him in this sort of cocky way, well, I'm asking you the question. Right. Um, and uh, it was just uh, hor horrendously She's like embarrassing. She's a sort of parody MP, isn't she? You know how they've got some of them on the Twitter. I sometimes think that she doesn't actually exist. It's not. You, when you see her, you go, oh, my joke. God, really? <laughs> it's real. It's actually not the first time that she's done this mm. in a foreign affairs committee meeting. Right. Um, so she, uh, it's a few years ago, maybe a year ago, she, they, were, they were discussing Iran. Mm. Um, and she suggested that the UK... Or insinuated the UK is as bad as Iran right. and um, w was asking uh, Dominic Raab for clarification on why it is that we would need to take any action against Iran and then he obviously goes on to explain well it's because they support malicious mm. and terror terrorist activity not only domestically but internationally and against UK interests. Yes. And they would also and she quite went like to on, get rid of Israel. She yeah. went on to give this spiel about um, how there is this... An, this is how she described it, quaint English phrase of pot calling the kettle black, insinuating that we were, in, in the same way, um, involved in, I guess, similar activity to Iran. But in any case, both of these instances, completely embarrassing. Well, you do wonder and, how people um, like that get elected, don't you? Because if you ran into her on a sort of canvassing trip, hmm. or she came and knocked on your door, you'd kind of go... What, really? You're actually standing for the, for the MP seat so Cal here? Cal Calvin Robinson wrote an article mm. um, on this and how it was that she, because she obviously does keep embarrassing mm. herself and embarrassing her party, right. how was it that she got into this position as an MP? And apparently she, she uh, made her first sort of way into politics because she was on both an all uh, BAME and all women oh, shortlist. Right. Um, and so, so double whammy, <laughs> she's the only one left. Yeah. So um, <laughs> some people have been making uh, making the point that we ba basically we have low calibre MPs because they're being selected because they're being selected deliberately on the basis yeah. of these sort of quotas rather than on the basis of their merit because there are lots of people who would fit into those categories mm. that you could select on the basis of merit alone. Yes. You don't need the I categories have thought, in order I mean, to do I would so. have thought if you were a woman. Um, you would not want to be on an all-woman shortlist, would I you? would be insulted by yeah. that. I you would like to, to know that I was succeeding on, on my own merit. Exactly. Merit. I would find it really would. insulting to be placed on an all-woman shortlist. Mm. I would refuse to, actually. Yeah. Um, but she, I mean, this is, she's obviously a plank for this, but she, she's, a, she's a Corbynista. Yeah. And um, she, not, not too long ago, was involved in a scandal involving declaring um, her income from a, yes. um, another a role that she has as a councillor in London. It's not been a great week for Labour um, MPs, has it? She was also messaging people are direct messaging people on Twitter calling them racists and idiots and sexists and so on. Right. So she, uh, she's, she's just had a bad um, she's had a bad run. <laughs> she's one that's going to appear on the show plenty of times. Do you in know the surprisingly I'm not even sure she's ever been on it. Really? I think this might be the first time. She'll be on it again. Well, Taking I'm going to move over to the world of sport for my second, uh, because, of course, there has been quite a lot of sport on, uh, you might have noticed. The football, uh, not least the football. And there's so many ways you could go at this, right? Um, and I thought about many things. I thought about Gareth Southgate. Did he mess it up at the end? Yes, he did. But does that make him a plank? Probably a bit harsh, I would say. But we can argue about that. So I've decided some of the players have, have said some silly things since uh, the end of uh, the, the, the whole debacle on Sunday. Um, but I'm going to make it... It has to really be the rogue football fans, the rogue England fans, who decided it would be a great idea uh, to film themselves doing all sorts of things, <laughs> including doing sort of handstands naked while naked having, <laughs> while having, well, I saw several naked men. There was one who was standing upright and dancing about. There was another one um, who didn't have much to shout about, by the way, in that particular area. Uh, another guy who uh, was upside down. Emma said 18 times. Um, he's still looking for something to look at. Um, this one had, a, had a, a flare stuck where it should not have been stuck and lit. 
Um, they were publicly snorting cocaine. Now, I saw one guy with a big spoon of coke just doing the this, and they're all the cheering. The Italians were putting up pictures on social media oh. of, the, of, the, of the naked guy next to Michelangelo David. <laughs> <laughs> well, that shows a sense of humour, doesn't it? And, but then they rampaged up Wembley Way. Apparently, it was really dangerous, really horrible. And so quite a serious point, actually. That, that, you know, there were people who took their kids to the game, and the kids were witnessing fights. They, they, they smashed their way into Wembley, yeah. which is disgraceful in my view. But also, I blame Wembley for not having proper security as well. Mm. They got into the game. They didn't get thrown out. Um, and they ruined it for an awful lot of people. And, they, and they've also probably ruined it for England ever getting another tournament. Mm. Because, let's face it, Leicester Square looked like an absolute war zone. Mm. And they did to London what they normally do to places like Marseille mm. uh, or Brazil or wherever they the go for World Cups. The that, I mean, like you, I, I saw lots and lots of it, you know, on social media, on Twitter in particular. And... You know, there, there certainly there wasn't enough kind of grasp of it from a steward point of view at mm. Wembley. But where were the police? I know. I didn't yeah. see the police well, anywhere. I oh, spoke well, to the guy I... um, from Bar Italia, which you probably know, Fristry, right? Which is an old, age-old sort of place that people go to watch football, have coffee, have Italian food and stuff. He said that there was a sort of menacing crowd gathering outside who looked like they might be about to start chucking things through windows. They called the police. The police showed up about an hour later. Mm and said, oh, there's too many of them, we can't do anything. Well, I, I was watching the I game mean, in central London and there were police everywhere, but it didn't seem... Well, they certainly weren't in Wembley White. I think it's fair to say, from, from my walk, <laughs> my walk through That's London after the game... It's very brave of you walking through. Did, well, were, were you watching it somewhere? Uh, yeah, we were in the Horseshoe. Oh, the Horseshoe Inn, okay. yeah. Um, Very nice. And it was brilliant. It did get a bit, towards the end, it, during the penalties, it, it got a bit... Um, uh, there, let's say there was a lot of hubbub. I mean, I got Harry. knocked off of my st- knocked off yes. of my stool. Right. Um, but I, it wasn't with like malintent. Uh, some guys ripped up a tree and threw it on the floor. I think probably they'd lost a lot of money. Oh um, and but generally, you know, walking through there was a police presence, but the majority of people were just really sad and walking mm. home. Every, as soon as we lost, everyone went silent and just walked out of the pub. Yeah. And the trains were not. It it, there, it was everything was very sort of like polite. And, Pleasant. So I well, don't there was know a point at which I actually wondered. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think a lot of it was in Trafalgar Square, but the Leicester Square mm. stuff was all happening in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said, oh, well, you know, what they should have done was have the game on Saturday at midday rather than on Sunday at 8 o'clock at night. Some pubs were open at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I mean, but it is kind of pathetic that you can't have a football match. Um, without people getting yeah, so drunk it, 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 and so disorderly, but it was the kind of the epitome of what we, what everybody perceives England fans mm. to be like. You know, yeah. back from the eighties, the seventies, eighties, nineties, right. and it seemed to be that that was that was characterised again on, mm. on Sunday. Um, the, the, the other thing, and I'll, I'll tread very carefully here because uh, it's been denied, so I'll be very careful, yeah. but you, you'll remember that uh, a certain estate agent was hauled over the coals three or four oh, weeks yes. ago for tackling Chris Whitty and he's been fired oh, yes. his, his business and so on. Yeah. Absolutely right. Well, um, in amongst the alleged racist tweets yes. and social media furor over What's the last the same 24 guy, hours, was it? No, but it was alleged to be. It was alleged to be another estate agent. Another it? estate agent yeah. from big uh, international estate mm. agency yeah. firm now to be very very clear. Well, so said, they've denied it, or he has. Well, he's denied it. Said his account was hacked. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. Benefit okay. The doubt. Benefit the All doubt. Right, then. Yeah. <laughs> let's not get sued. Sure. But, um, but this particular, I need to say the name of the firm. Then this, it's very public. It's been all over the newspapers and uh, and the news. But this particular firm has suspended him. But um, but yeah, two estate agents in three weeks. So um, bearing in mind that's the profession from which I hail. Yes. Not a good look for UK property. People. No. I Waiting mean, not for the, the most headline popular. It's not the most popular. Uh, it's not the most popular line of work to begin with, is it? Even less so now. <laughs> I mean, also that's really one of the worst excuses of all time. Uh, if indeed it's true. Yeah. Um, well, it's actually got two accounts, and actually they've, they've kind of uh, they've seen that they actually <laughs> the tweets come from two accounts. So it looks like both, both accounts got were hacked. hacked. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, yeah. things strange things yeah. happen. And, and there was a tweet on March the 9th, and maybe he was hacked then too. Could be. Yeah, yeah. He's Could an unlucky be. guy. He's he is. <laughs> listen, some people are just unlucky. Yeah. Um, but there's also been all sorts of other things around it. There's the case of uh, Tyrone Mings, yeah. um, who got involved this morning, I think, with Pretty Patel. Basically, because, I mean, the trouble with all of this is that, like everything now, it's all seen in isolation. It's all seen as black mm-hmm. or white. Uh, there's no nuance. I think, I think there's know, something... So, so you can't, for example, criticise the team without somehow having a go at the multicultural society in which we live. Yeah. Which is nonsense, isn't it? There's some really s- slippery reasoning going on with yeah. the, what Tyrone Mings's tweet saying mm. that Pretty Patel fanned the flames that has uh, it's almost almost as if blaming her yeah. for what happened but plenty of people I mean the, the list just goes on and on people like David Lammy Billy Bragg right. attacking people who 
like Priti Patel, who either criticised taking the knee or said that it was it, that people should be allowed to boo taking mm. the knee, which they should be allowed to express yeah, themselves. If the players are allowed to express themselves, the fans should be allowed to express themselves. But this is themselves. it. It got to the point where you're not now allowed to boo somebody's national anthem. But I, I mean, I'm not particularly in favour of that, mm. but you should be allowed to do it. The, the, reason, the reason, though, why I think that, that this is... It's not, no laughing matter, the, the, the turn that this has taken in terms of the, what, the reasoning, mm. is because the, the reason why people like Priti Patel and others criticise taking the knee is because taking the knee was being booed mm. because of its it, it inextricable association yes. with Black Lives Matter. Right. You can argue whether or not the players themselves think that they're kneeling in homage to Black yes. Lives Matter or in homage to something else. Well, they've else. said quite clearly that they're not doing it in homage to Black Lives Matter, but that doesn't mean but the point is that, that it's other become, people won't see it's it that It's become way. so divisive. Like, the stats, 55% of people thought that Black Lives Matter had made racial relations mm. in this country worse. Yeah. It's an, an organisation that wants people to see colour. It thinks it can solve racism mm. by asking people not to be colourblind. So the point and is race that relations you, haven't been helped by the appearance of Black Lives Matter. Not at all. And in if, any if you, it's becoming more divisive as a consequence yeah. of this agenda being pushed. Yeah. If sure. you, that's exactly the point. So if you're criticising taking knee because you think that it's a divisive act, that is not incompatible with saying that you condemn racism. No. I mean, when, and this almost went unnoticed, but when Millwall linked arms yeah. and held up a banner that said inequality mm. with the in crossed out recently, yeah. the, the, the fans cheered rather than booed. Yeah. It's not because they're like racist troglodytes no. that they're booing, it's no, because of, of the association. And so I think it's really disingenuous of all of these people to attack people who mm. had um, who had criticised taking the knee to suggest that that they shouldn't have done that because clearly racism is a problem. They're completely missing the point. Yes, and also, you could also argue, could you not, that this taking of the knee has not exactly solved the problem of racism. You could equally clearly. argue that the people who send these it. tweets are idiots yes. and not worth actually, actually taking too much this, notice of. All yeah. of the talk of... Uh, microaggressions and so yeah. on, ignoring, ignoring the fact that there is still actual real racism, right. as we've seen. And actually, not just against the players, but also against public figures mm. who have been critical, mm. people like Calvin Robinson or Priti Patel, yeah. uh, Kemi Badenoch, yeah. uh, ethnic minority public figures who are constantly who are being attacked with it. the most horrendous ab ab uh, yeah. racial abuse. But, but, but here's an example that I saw this morning, which is Natalie Elphick MP, um, mm. who criticised Marcus Rashford yeah. for being too political and saying perhaps if he focused more on football and less on politics he might be a better penalty yes. kicker and he might have scored the goal. Right. Now I think that's absolutely fair comment. Yeah. Now that had nothing to do with Marcus Rashford's race. I mean at, you can see all. you can see how other people would well, not yeah, see but, it. That but, way. but that's mm. the point. So if we didn't have this kind of accentuated racial debate then Natalie Elphick perhaps would have feel, felt felt better disposed to make yeah. that comment. Mm -hmm. Do you know what she's done in the last couple of hours? No. Withdrawn the comment and apologised. Well, so it had nothing to do with race. She was but, probably under pressure but, to do yeah, that. Yeah, but, but the point being she now doesn't feel that she can even say something as benign right. as that without having to apologise But also, that's about it. football, isn't it? It's not racist just exactly. because you're saying it about somebody exactly. who happens to be black. But the, the, rea the reaction the as well, exactly. there's no there's no perspective in it. We were just talking about the um, the uh, rugby player mm. who said oh, yeah, was, yeah. what he was saying he about Darren Grimes. I'm not going to repeat it. But. He used to be quite a sensible guy until Brexit happened. And then he became this kind of Remainer, um, sort of crazed Remainer type person, a sort of rugby version of uh, Gary Lineker, poor man's Gary Lineker. And he's really quite nasty on, on Twitter now, which is a shame. He's nice to know him. He used to be quite, you know, I used to get on with him very well. He used to do a show at Talk Sport, he used to be on breakfast every now and again. It seems bizarre to me that people think that that is that 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 approach that the sorts of things that they're saying is the way to yeah. unite because actually um and this was a point that has been made by others that the headlines have all been about how racist in you know how racist the english yeah. are when in fact actually everybody's come out in support because during during the match when um saka and rashford came on the people in the pub were singing songs yeah. about them because yeah. they are heroes. Yeah, look at Sterling. Everyone loves Sterling. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, pe the people it. that got stuck into the players themselves mm. really didn't do themselves any favours. Danny Baker did it because he was obviously, you know, up late um, and uh, got himself into trouble again on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, not this time about the royal baby, mm. but he just basically started effing and blinding and saying Southgate was useless and why was he, you know, why was he still being given all these kind of plaudits and all of that and whatever you may think. Well, because of the penalty picks. Because of, well, not just of the way the, the, the team played. And I mean, it wasn't their finest game because mm. Southgate did get it wrong. He did get the tactics wrong. He should have had the second half um, far more attacking style. They should have tried to score more goals instead of trying to sit back, picked the wrong players for the penalties. You know, got all of that wrong. And he, I think he will in time, you know, kind of um, admit that. But the trouble is, 
Um, there are people who seem to think that because Gareth, St. Gareth, has kind of created this amazing young team, you can't, that say you can't criticise it. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Because as we all know, if you're not challenged, then things don't improve. I mean, look, you know, it's, again, probably won't be a popular thing to say, but bringing Saka on to take a penalty, the guy's never taken a penalty in a tournament no. in his life. He's never taken a penalty in any senior football exactly. job. And there was He's only ever taken two Greenish, penalties. Shaw and others sitting yeah. there. Greenish, of course, famously over the last 24 hours has said, I didn't not say. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't take a penalty. Right. I did say I would. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, Saka's put forward um, at the tender age of 19 with no penalty yeah. experience. Yeah, people have a right to question that, surely, of course. don't they? But the other mm. weird thing, and people have been pointing this out as well, is that a lot of these racist tweets came from foreign lands. Now, yeah. there's two theories about that. Either you believe that people in Saudi Arabia, India, the UAE uh, and Iran take a great interest in racial uh, profiling of English footballers and send them horrible tweets. Mm. Or lots of people have got VPNs, yeah. uh, which mm -hmm. suggest that they're in different countries. Or bots. Or they're, yeah, but, you know, I just, I just think that, you know... They're an attempt in, to sow division I think it's, it, there are two things here. I think it's important that we don't take the, the racist tweets out of proportion because they are idiots. They're not to be taken That's seriously. And many that. of them, I would, I would bet you, are kids who just aren't really racist. They're just idiots, and yeah. they're just, they just want to try and insult them. Yeah. And so they're mm -hmm. using words that they think will be insulting. I'm more worried, in a way, about the thug element who are actually beating people up, because there was, again, footage of, of Italian fans just being set upon by these drunken thugs, mm -hmm. sort of 10 to 1, you know. And that's disgraceful behaviour. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, racially abusing somebody isn't bad, but beating somebody up for no reason but at all. You, there, it's just no, horrendous. There's, I mean, no, there's no way that you solve the, if it, you know, that all of these people who are coming out attacking people who criticise taking the knee for being divisive, they extend no latitude no. to those people with that, with that opinion because people who are making that argument are making that argument from a, the perspective of, yes, we all agree that racism is bad, but we don't think this is the way to deal no. with it. And there are players who have themselves said this isn't the way to right. deal. But it's such a lazy argument, isn't it? it? Is. Just to say that because you know, because you don't agree with the political diversification of that gesture, you must be racist. Yes. How pathetic. Mm -hmm. I know. How pathetic. Well, let's hope but, it all moves on through the summer, and by the time the new season starts, it will be in a different place. We shall see. Yeah. So, uh, time for your number three. Uh, so my, my third is Sadiq Khan, ah, who I seem to nominate every single time. Back to the old, <laughs> and so you should, Emma, the so old you favorites. should. Uh, he's already got a mention, wasn't he? Because he was at the final uh, yep. without a mask, despite all <laughs> well, of his that's protestations. that's the list of reasons yeah. why yeah. he's uh, nominated Probably this week. Probably turned up in his gas-guzzling Range Rover, too, Probably. rather than his yeah. uh, favoured puppet. And it's not just any old gas-guzzling Range Rover. It's the £150,000 version, yeah. uh, because it's had to have all the bells and whistles added to it. Yeah. And I think it might even be armour-plated or yeah. something. But this is the guy that said we should get out of our cars and get onto public yeah. transport. But well, if he hadn't bankrupted it, maybe more of us would. Well, I mean, uh, you'd like to get out of your car, but unfortunately you can't move because sure you're surrounded by cyclists and people himself. on e-scooters. And if you open the door, you're going to kill somebody. <laughs> if, he, if he tried to use the public transport, he might discover that it never works and you always have to pay the same amount yes. to use to travel, even regardless. And have you heard the latest news on the public transport front? And this is, I might, with apologies to anyone who doesn't live in London, they're going to shut the Northern Line uh, for four months, apparently, which oh. includes the station that we are at here. So if anyone travels in from um, North London or South London even, um, you won't be able to get to London Bridge. On the northern line. Well, it, for seems four as, it seems as if the district line's been shut for years. Well, that's the worst line so in the frequently. world. I mean, I think you'd get better luck if you went to some bloody um, country in, in, in you know, um, Papua New Guinea, and the, the train service probably runs better there. But it's a bit like COVID regs, isn't it? Probably the people that are making these decisions on closing lines and disruption yeah. and so on don't actually use that service themselves. Didn't oh, no. they also shut the Bakerloo line early after? The match. I don't I know. Well, I can't remember if I'm not, not I sure if that's 100. Sure. Um, percent I know a lot of people couldn't leave the stadium because it was too rowdy outside, and people were. In fact, I was hearing that Gareth Southgate's own parents who were there were kept in until about midnight because there was it was thought not to be safe for them to travel outside of the stadium. I mean, wow. it's unbelievable. Madness. Yeah. So the reason the reason why I'm nominating Sadiq Khan this week is not because of um, his appearance um, at Wembley, okay. but because of the fourth plinth oh, yes. um, and his praise of the um, pieces of art that have been yes. nominated. This is for, for the people who don't plinth. know in Trafalgar Square where they've yeah, got so plenty they have of this, statuary. This, the fourth plinth uh, always has uh, cycling artworks on it. So oh, people it? will vote. They have, I mean, different pieces of art will be put up for a certain period of time. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant actual cycling uh, no, statuary. No, no, like, no, no. maybe at some point. <laughs> because I might have had to go and tear it down, you know, um, make my own statue protest. <laughs> so uh, the fourth, the fourth plinth statue um, has been given to 
this statue of, I'm going to have to read the name because I don't want to pronounce it wrong, a Baptist preacher called John Chilimbwe. I, okay. I'm sorry if I'm not saying that correctly. Um, he was a, a pan-Arabist, uh, anti-colonialist agitator, I okay. guess you would call him. And so this statue is a, a very large statue of him next to a, a much smaller life-size, apparently, statue of um, another uh, Baptist preacher, white Baptist okay. preacher. Um, and he's wearing a hat, which is apparently supposed to be subversive because mm. apparently um, black people weren't allowed to wear hats in front of white people at that time. But the reason why um, I'm nominating Sadiq Khan is because this statue, the, the Baptist preacher, um, it was reported this week. Apparently, um, historically, this guy uh, incited a, a mob of people to go to a plantation owner's house, gave them orders to kill all European men, mm. um, went to this plantation owner's house, decapitated him with an axe in front of his nice. wife and children in his bedroom, um, and then proceeded to preach a sermon with the head on a spike next to him. Uh, Sounds like a lovely guy. Mm. Sadiq, and the other, the other statue that has been nominated, nominated alongside this that will also go on display mm. um, is a statue of 180 masks um, that were cast of trans people's faces in this sort of cube-like um, set up. Right. Um, and Sadiq Khan has said, I've got the quote here, that it shi- that, the, that these um, artworks shi- sh- are shining an important spotlight on important issues our societies face. So Sadiq Khan has been criti- <laughs> Sadiq Khan has really been criticised. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> he's been well, he literally cri- could write he's, it. He's been criticised because this guy, obviously, you know, we've had discussions around Colston and other statues yeah. uh, and Churchill. Um, well, Emma, but- I think you, you and I, when this goes up, we need to march to Trafalgar Square with our tools and we need to take it down and drag the thing into the tent. Put it in the Thames, yeah. And then, and then, and then you won't be done for it, of course. The police I'm, will just think, stand by watching. I think I might be accused yeah. for inconsistency there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> given my love of statues. But yeah. the, the reason why I'm nominating him and the reason why he's been criticised for this is because, as it has been sort of written about this week, this Baptist preacher has a pretty um, unambiguous history of... Um, Sounds pretty pretty, violent. pretty gruesome activity. Mm. Um, but we're still celebrating him. Well, quite. And yes. so the, the, I think the point is that, um, you know, regardless of what you think of the statue or the meaning of the statue, what being put up is the fact that Sadiq Khan, obviously, as the hypocrite that you've described him as, he uh, is not exactly consistent when it comes to criticising or praising statues on the basis of their And he's still got uh, the old backgrounds. statue commission going, hasn't he? Filled with all these yeah. lefties so we can decide the, whether the they should tear loads down. The saving grace, of course, is that he can't stand to be London mayor again. That's it. He's got three, three years, four years, uh, and he's. I done. can't stand through to be London Mayor now. <laughs> Never mind him. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's set. He's done. A, he's done a Tony Blair when Tony Blair set up all of those quangos so that he could sort of almost rule without being there. He set up things like this commission, and well, I, I reckon... think it's quite worrying that if if. Sadiq Khan thinks that this sort of statue is what he wants the public space in London to represent when Mm. he talks about in this commission needing the public space to represent London's values, Mm. that he thinks that this guy is the sort of statue that we should have up. I think that says something about Sadiq Khan's vision for London. I'm amazed that the statue isn't a bus driver, aren't you? Because he never mentions bus drivers. Hardly ever. Hardly ever. ever. You know, I think he quite fancies his uh, chances of running for Labour leader as well once Keir Starmer disappears off. The thing is, if they they wanted to put up a statue in relation to all the stuff that's been going on recently, they wanted to pick an anti-colonialist figure or an anti-slavery figure, why did they go for this guy and not someone like Frederick Douglass? Somebody who you can really somebody look up to, somebody who didn't Someone. preach next yeah. to her head on a spike. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there must be quite, quite, quite a few people who didn't actually do I can that. imagine there are <laughs> a know, lot to select head from. Head <laughs> you know, certainly, can you put one up for somebody who hasn't beheaded? Yeah, there's probably a list somewhere, isn't Any there? Any chance of that? Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe not. Your number three, Russell? Uh, yes, so talking of reprehensible individuals, um, my third is Emmanuel Macron. Oh, yes. Um, and I know that he's a popular choice on this show. He is. Um, but my reasoning is that, and again, it shouldn't be a surprise really, that he's now announced uh, a two tier society in mm. France, which is about to uh, grace their, their, their society, on the basis that if you are not vaccinated fully, not double vaccinated, um, effectively you will have no access almost to anything whatsoever. So, Cafes, restaurants, libraries, events, 
uh, cinemas, theatres and so on would all require a vaccination. Mm. And if that was not sinister enough in terms of a two-tier society, a kind of almost an apartheid, a vaccine apartheid, uh, when asked apparently if this means that vaccination will become compulsory in France, which is even more sinister, um, his response was not yet. Really? What do we think about that? Well, I mean, Macron is facing an election, isn't he, next year, which could end up uh, with him mm. being kicked out of office. So uh, if he's not going to do it soon, uh, he's going to miss out, I think, by the, sound, by the sounds of it. Also, isn't there a case where they've been, he's been arguing about the vaccines not being very good? Well, only wasn't hours. he doing that? <laughs> it was just hours that wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he, was he not part of that AstraZeneca raid on yeah, the, on the, on the, uh, on the yeah, factory? Yeah. Are they yeah. using AstraZeneca now? I think they, did they stop using it? I think so, it? but I think both he and Merkel were quite disparaging of it for use in people over over 65 or mm. under 65, I don't remember it was. Yeah. But also the French don't like vaccines very much, do they? So there's a lot yeah. of them who haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. Well, I think this is, this why, is, he's doing it. But well. this is why he's saying it. So he's basically saying if you can have your freedom, yeah. but it's at a big yeah. price. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's we... a dangerous game to play with the French, isn't it? Because, I mean, they love a, 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 a punch-up, don't they? The yeah. old uh, gilet jaune will be out yeah, in yeah. their force. The Bastille. Burning yeah. all well, sorts of stuff. the same sinister... <laughs> reasoning we saw coming from a source in Downing Street was reported this week mm. that um, a Downing Street source apparently said that um, that essentially restricting people's civil liberties could be a useful tool for in the same way they described it as a useful tool useful. essentially with young it, and it was quite clear that this whole whole thing around vaccine passports is intended the reason behind it is to try and encourage the young I say encourage I mean coerce mm. coerce the young into having a particular medical intervention yeah. um, and saying ha really hanging the threat over everyone's heads that if you don't do this you will be excluded from society and, and, and you can imagine similar conversations going on in you know 1917 18 in Moscow and 1936 in the Reichstag yeah. mm -hmm. well they don't even talk about it they just do it but, but I mean, it's also there's a, there's, a, there's a much deeper point in here about um, your medical privacy because in this instance it's possibly showing your NHS app mm. and proving that you've had a particular jab. But what about the confidentiality of all of your medical records? Yeah, right. Do yeah. people feel comfortable with the precedent that this sets? Because I think if people started thinking about it in terms of their own medical co yeah. confidentiality, they might realise that in addition to the civil liberties point, this is just a, a very sinister mm. development. And it it's is. a red line mm. that no government should ever, ever cross. No, exactly. And also the fact that it's all online now and the fact that there's an, there's an app that you can somehow sort of flash under a, uh, a little light outside a pub. Yeah. I mean, you never know it's, it's what's going to happen. It's a vaccine passport yeah. by the back door. Yeah, you're basically going... Uh, everything's on here, you can just suck right out of my phone uh, and show it to your mate behind the bar. Yeah. Well, or look, or this bloke's had syphilis. Yeah, but, but, but employers, or something similar. employers will pay <laughs> to download this stuff, won't they? And they yeah. will make employment decisions based on your medical mm -hmm. history. It's yeah. absolutely outrageous. Well, that's the next thing. And also health insurance will start to kick in. They'll yeah. go, sorry, uh, you've got a pre-existing condition. Well, how do you know that? Because yeah. you just showed me all your medical records. Yeah. And therefore, we won't insure you not only to go on holiday, mm -hmm. but we won't give you life insurance mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a very slippery slope. Yep. And I, we're on it. And yeah. we are on it. We are on it. Um, so, um, it's down to me, I think, isn't it? Mm. Final Your number third. three is Hamza Youssef, a man who's been on the plank list once or twice before. He is, of course, the health secretary in Scotland. Very unpopular man uh, with anyone who's trying to get a business running because he's actually even worse than Matt Hancock ever was. <laughs> far more draconian, far more cautious. I mean, in Scotland, I think today they're still saying we're not going to get rid of masks for the foreseeable future. You're not going to be able to walk around without a mask on. Uh, we're going to make you keep wearing them. They still... These are, the, these are the same people, by the way, who banned music when they finally opened the pubs where you could go in and not have a drink. You could only go in to have a, a meal. A soft drink or something. You could have yeah. a soft drink and some yeah. food, but you couldn't actually have a, an alcoholic what drink. What happened to the Scots? I know. I mean... <laughs> it's rather the antithesis of the Scots, so, isn't it? So <laughs> and then they said you can't actually play music. You cannot even through, you know, like a playlist from Spotify. You can't play any music at all because people might be tempted to sing. And, of course, that, as we know, spreads COVID more than anything else. And he's a complete and utter plank, this guy. Um, and he's, of course, loving it, right? as all, as all um, you know, politicians do. But the SNP are particularly good at making everybody's life a misery. However, once again, we have found his hypocrisy because it turns out that at the end of the school term, which was, I think, a couple of weeks ago in Scotland, he and some members of his family, it doesn't say exactly who, decided to visit England, the place where they apparently say all the COVID has come from. These are the same people who make, made it impossible for people to go to Manchester. Same people who said, you mustn't travel outside of Scotland. Basically said they didn't want anybody from England going into Scotland. Why on earth would he want to come Scotland. to England? Well, he wanted to take his young relative, apparently, uh, to the Harry Potter Warner Brothers uh, studio, because that's down, I think, not far from Elstree. Off the M25. Off the M25 somewhere. Yeah. Um, 
But he did it at a time when Scotland became the actual um, flashpoint and the highest rate of COVID mm. in Europe. So he was the danger. So, I mean, one, he shouldn't have been travelling because he was probably advising everybody else not to travel. Yeah. Two, uh, he's the Secretary of State for Health in Scotland, so you think he might want to be there to try and sort out why the COVID is actually raging so high mm. and why Scotland is actually now worse than England in terms of the numbers of deaths, in terms of the numbers of infections and all of that. Um, but he just basically uh, said, no, to hell with that. I'm going to take uh, my relatives on a very nice trip away because I deserve it. So we need to get it down to um, three from nine. So, Emma, why don't you pick your favourite one of Russell's? Shall I recap? Yes, please. So, Boris Johnson, uh, the parole board for England and Wales, and Emmanuel Macron. Macron. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I'm very angry about the vaccine passports. <laughs> very controversial, that. Excellent. Very good. Right, so my three. Uh, Patrick Valance. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his... Uh, the Rogue England fans. Mm-hmm. And Hamza Youssef. I think Rogue England fans. They sort of have to be in there, don't I they? I think so. All right. So now, Emma, I'm going to pick yours then. Claudia Webb, Population Matters, yes. or Sadiq Khan? Ooh. Ooh, that's quite difficult, actually. Mm. Mm. Sadiq is an old favourite. I mean, he, he does is. pop up every week. Uh, deservedly so. Yeah, but I maybe think Claudia Webb des- deserves a sort of top three finish. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she's Well, that won't be before. her last appearance, as we said, I suspect. Well, I think you're probably <laughs> right. Yeah, let's do that then. <laughs> so that means that we have Claudia Webb, we have England, rogue England fans... Emmanuel Macron. Mm. I know which so, I want to go for. Rogue England fans. I think they're the worthy, big inverted commas winner. Personally. I think. I think I would say that they were. You're going to go with Macron, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> she hates him so much. Clearly, clearly, you're sure you're not some kind of francophobic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's I'm a word. I'm a francophile. That's why I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Good point. I don't like the fact he's destroying France. No. Though he's been very good on statues and uh, blasphemy. He has been very so good on that, actually. Yeah. But maybe Macron's Got to give a worthy him credit, second. Credit where credit is due. He mm. was good on blasphemy and statues. So. Maybe it's a great legacy, isn't it? He was good on la- blasphemy of <laughs> statues. <laughs> yeah. No good at anything else. I mean, yeah. I, wonder, I wonder how you would describe <laughs> Boris Johnson. <laughs> He's good at decorating and getting married. <laughs> yeah, good at reproduction. Yes. <laughs> good at reproduction sofa. <laughs> it's not what you think it is. Um, so, I think England fans get it, don't they? I think so. I'm going to be Mac- outvoted, I'll give, you, yeah. I'll give you Macron number two, and that means number three, Claudia Webb, which I think is a pretty good... Uh, She's Pretty a, good she's day's work. Escaped. She makes it. She'll make it into the top half of the top 100 for planks of the year. But I'm afraid Harry and Meghan are still up there, running it. Uh, well, they're absolutely. bound to be, aren't they? Yes. It's almost as if their very existence is just to ensure that they get on this show. Yes, it almost is because it's their only relevance at this point. Right. We so, should do a PR deal with them. I know. Well, they probably want us to pay them though, rather than the other way around. <laughs> so here it is. This fabulous new plank of the week, uh, which has got my name on it and it's got all of the right uh, words on it as well. Uh, We're going to give it to the rogue England fans that ruined the night uh, on Sunday for so many families, for so many kids, and who destroyed parts of London. You should be ashamed of yourselves. You are the plank of the week. (laughs) 